0: Nathan Farley, and this is the third episode where I get Ooh. to talk to my friend and current roommate for a week. Yeah, Henry Love, what is up? Woo! So Henry, uh, I actually just met this summer. We're both interning at Spotswood Baptist Church. Yeah. He is helping with, uh, I guess, male ministry of middle yeah. and high school students. High school, middle school. Mm-hmm. High school, middle school ministry. Um, we we are currently living together, but only for like two weeks. I know. Uh, and then we actually both are going back to Liberty University for our graduate degree. Yeah. I convinced him to do More a school. Master's of Divinity Woo! at the last minute. Yeah. Right? Instead of an MA
1: in apologetics. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you just convinced me to, to go to school for another year, basically. That,
0: that's true. That's true. Um, so you studied... what Tell me about your time at Liberty. What'd you study? All that. What are you involved in on campus? Yeah, like?
1: man. So um I did... So I'm one of the few who didn't change their majors um, at all. There was course. That's of Liberty. a big deal. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I came in doing youth ministry, undergrad. I finished Liberty, with um, the youth ministry undergrad. Uh, I lived off campus for most of school. When I was on campus, I was uh, on the quads. So quad squad, quads home of the gods. As the circle say. is better. Uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you didn't have you didn't have a kitchen, so You're right. Um. Now I live off campus and I, I used to work at, at Chipotle, uh, Chipotle Mexican Grill and Blaze Pizza. And right now I actually just started working at Third Wave Coffee. Okay. Um, big coffee snob here. <laughs> is that, so. He is
0: not lying right now. <laughs> He's not lying. So what is your favorite coffee shop that you've been to?
1: Like ever, like ever. Shoot, so passenger coffee up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. Environment's great, so yeah. okay. Great coffee culture. So
0: you don't enjoy Seven Eleven coffee? Oh no, <laughs> heck no, dude. <laughs> okay. No Seven no Eleven, no
1: Dunkin', no Starbucks. So. Uh-huh.
0: And let me ask you this. Uh, how many times have you eaten Chipotle in the past seven days?
1: Dude, probably like three or four times. Okay. I go to Chipotle a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you worked there and decided to keep eating there. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I try to get that discount still because, you
0: know, I used to work with him. Uh, so you still try to get the discount? Yeah. <laughs> so Chipotle employees, listen, Henry does not currently work at Chipotle. Do not give him the employee discount. Oh, uh, for now. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, other, other things. Uh, I'm, a, I'm on a traveling minister team at Liberty called YouthQuest. And I'm one of the speakers on the team, so we do like conference style ministry for, for high school and middle school students throughout the school year. Okay. Um, ministry wise.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this: Why youth ministry?
1: Oh, dude, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> part of that does have to, you know, do with my story, but um, basically, I remember you know, growing up, I I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so it was actually a friend that had reached out to me and had shared the gospel with me, and he invited me uh, to a camp. You know, I was at that camp where I heard a super convicting quote. Um, the pastor said, "If you worship a dead savior, you'll end up just like him." He said, "You know, Buddha's in the grave, Muhammad's in the grave, Joseph Smith's in the grave, but Jesus, he rose from the dead." And so, someone, you probably—I I, know—I've told you about this, but I actually used to be a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. So coming coming into that being a Buddhist, I was like, "Shoot! Like, like, why am I worshiping someone who's who's dead in the grave? Mm-hmm. I could be worshiping you know, the living God."
0: So how old were you when you? When you trans, when you went from believing and worshiping Buddha to believing, worshiping the risen I, Savior, I was
1: like ten or eleven, so I was still younger. Yeah. Um, but I was still old enough to comprehend, you know, that truth of, yeah. of Jesus being alive.
0: Wow. So, uh, your friend that was what twelve years old probably just yeah. invited you to a church camp.
1: Exactly. Why'd
0: you say yes,
1: dude? Uh, honestly, you said there were like zip lines and there was like a <laughs> pool and a beach. So, okay, cool. Sounds fun. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. And it was fun. And, you know, part of the fun aspects is like, you know, when you're in church programs or church programs for camps, or the pastors are playing games or mm-hmm. making a fool of themselves, um, if you had a fun youth pastor, at least. Yes. Um, but I remember sitting there in that moment, looking at my eventual youth pastor and saying, man, I want to do that. Like, I want to be on stage. It was definitely the pride in me. But I was like, I want to do whatever I can to get on stage, whether it be playing a game, whether it be like sharing like, or praying or sharing a story about my life. Yeah. Um, from that on out, when I, after I became a Christian, I, I was basically
0: the kid that was telling my, my youth pastor, Keith, like, how can I get on stage? Hmm. Um, okay. So let me ask you a few uh, funny questions as we get started. Okay. okay. Let's go. So you've told me this. Number one, what is your worst, funniest sermon title that you've ever done while, you, <laughs> while preaching?
1: Uh, I think I told you this. Um, I did a sermon title, I called it Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was basically about, you know, how can we honor God in our relationships? How can we flee sexual morality?
0: Okay. So it's about a Baywatch.
1: Baywatch, so, okay. like the
0: movie. Second, what is the craziest thing you've ever done on a youth trip for the students? I already know what I think is the craziest thing, but we'll see what you come up with. Wait, yeah, have I, have I have I told you this story before? You tell
1: me. What story are you thinking about? Okay, I have to think, because a lot of, like, like... <laughs>
0: So, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. Okay. I'm thinking about you were traveling with YouthQuest and your team needed more time because someone was, I don't know, running late or something was happening. And so, what you decided to do was lick someone's armpits. Oh, yeah.
1: That was a great thing. i forget about that. <laughs> so, basically... oh. Josh Defreeze, if you're listening to this, I licked like the jank out of this dude's armpit. You, his armpit is like bush gardens. It's insane. He's a very hairy man. That's disgusting. Um, you know. You know the worst part about that is like I didn't just lick his armpit. Like I licked a bunch of other things. I looked like some kid's shoe. We didn't know what to do. We were just stalling. I mean, most oh people play gosh. a game or whatever, but I I I licked this kid's armpit.
0: Yeah. So you have have taught me without saying it, that I'm not cut out for youth ministry because I'm not licking anyone's armpit. I'm not licking anyone's shoe, which, okay, that goes to a good question, right? And I know I just did it. So you're going to correct me. So there are stereotypes for youth ministry majors, especially at Liberty University, Mm. right? And so what do you think are some of the most unhealthy and unhelpful stereotypes of a youth ministry major?
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, and sometimes I can struggle. I do this myself sometimes because I like being the goofball. Like another crazy story is I washed my hair with mayonnaise on a youth quest trip. He loves Um, mayonnaise. I do love mayonnaise. Um, But a lot of the times, um, people perceive youth ministry majors um, as just crazy extroverts that are just all about having fun. Yeah. Um, Sometimes like you can't take them seriously, and sometimes you do that to yourself if you're all about you know being immature. Um, You Mm -hmm. know, being being mature is knowing to be immature. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think some of the ones that really hurt are definitely people that are like, oh, when are you going to be a real pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the worst. It's like, man, you're only, you only care about the youth. You're the fun guy. So when are you going to step up? Be a real pastor. Wow. Um, other ones are like, oh, you're just, it's similar to the other one. Like, you're just climbing the ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I definitely know people that that see youth ministry as that stepping stone to, to, to climb the ladder. Like, oh, I'm just going to be a youth pastor. Then I'm going to be a college pastor. Oh, and then I'm going to be a senior pastor. That's when it matters. Yeah. Um, so that. That definitely hurts.
0: Yeah. So so let's talk about this for, for a second. Um, youth ministry isn't a stepping stone. You mm-hmm. and I would both completely agree on that. Yeah, And I mean, let's talk for a moment. Like what makes youth ministry such a unique period of time, right? Mm-hmm. In the church world. I mean, I'm thinking I started following Jesus when I was in that middle, transitioning from middle to high school age. And so this idea that, oh yeah, let's throw some amateur ministry guy to take care of all these people who are going through so many changes, that typically if someone follows Jesus, it is when they're introduced to Jesus at that age, right? So so why do you think the church has seen youth ministry as a stepping stone? Like what why is there a disconnect between the main service, quote unquote, and the youth service, quote unquote? I think I think a lot of people just they
1: want to separate. Students from from the adults, um, in the sense where students are immature, so they just need someone that can connect well with them. They might think that, oh, their senior pastor is too old. Mm-hmm. They need somebody young to be there for them. Um, and it, it hurts because I mean, Barna did a study years ago, and it's like 95, 94 96 percent of like Christians became Christians before the age of eighteen. Oh. Um, which is like, I mean, that's that's why I'm so passionate about that because those are the students that are those are the people that need to hear Jesus because usually like. By the time they're after 18, it's it's much harder for someone to completely change their worldview.
0: Yeah, so what something that I know about you that I'd like the audience to learn about is you're really passionate about evangelism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So define evangelism for us, right? I mean it's a big word, it's thrown around a lot. Like what what is evangelism?
1: Yeah, so first of all, I want when it comes to evangelism, evangelism and discipleship, they they they're literally the same thing in the sense you can't have one without the other i think that's super important i don't just want to share the gospel with somebody and just leave them you know mm. matthew 28 talks about you know go make disciples of all nations and what else to say teaching them to obey yeah. all that i have commanded you yeah. um so i mean evangelism is literally like as you're living your life you know not only being a light for christ um through your actions but also verbally sharing um mm. the love of christ to as yeah. many people as you can
0: you you sparked a quote that someone said to me one time they said The church has spent a lot of time pointing people to Jesus, but I think they've forgotten how to teach people to walk with Jesus. Oh, yeah. And I think that's so true, right? I mean, you you look at some churches, and they're so big on, we want you to pray the prayer, we want you to raise your hand, we want you to make a decision. Um, But once you do that, it's like, okay, congrats, you're in, and they don't say anything else. Yeah, now what? (laughs) Yeah, now what? And so... I like that you said evangelism isn't just introducing someone to Jesus, but it involves discipleship, teaching people how to walk with Jesus. So I think that most people, when they think of, most American Christians, when they think of evangelism, they're probably thinking, let me give an Easter invite card mm. to someone, um, which is good. Like, that's not a bad thing, but evangelism has to go further than just Giving someone an invite card to your church. Oh yeah, right. So like, how would you speak to someone that that feels really fearful of of even giving the invite card? So when we talk about sharing uh, your faith with someone personally, like that's just that's not even on the table. What would you What would you encourage someone with?
1: Yeah, I I want to point them to Scripture as as much as I can. Um, I I think it's important to note that you know, giving somebody a card to come to church that's not the gospel. Um, that's a piece of paper that says come to church. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's a nice gesture. I don't want to say it's a bad thing, but I mean, yeah. we, we see verses like like Romans ten thirteen, and it says, like, Hey, um, how can they call upon the Lord in whom they've not heard? Mm-hmm. And, and pause there. So, how can they call upon Jesus in whom they've not heard? Yeah. And then, so just think about that. How can they call upon Jesus if they haven't heard about him? Yeah. And it's a scary thought. But the hope is that, that Paul later writes, Hey, how can they call upon and how can they call upon Him who have not heard, and how can they hear without it being preached? Mm-hmm. And how can be, how can it be preached unless someone has been sent? Yeah. And so, blessed for those who are the feet of Christ. And so, we see right there that like the only way for, for someone to call upon Jesus is if they hear it. Mm-hmm. Like pointing someone to that verse was so important because that proves right there mm-hmm. that you handing somebody a piece of paper that says, "Hey, come to church next Sunday," isn't how they can call upon Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it's a place where they can go and hear about the name of Jesus. Yeah. But the reality is like, you're there to be able to share the gospel. It's not just your pastor's job to do that. That's your job.
0: That's true. We were actually, we've been going through a a Bible study on Sunday nights called the gospel above all by JD Greer. And this past two weeks, we've listened to a woman named Rosaria Butterfield (coughs) and Rosaria was an LGBTQ activist, feminist uh, professor and she said in the video recently, she said that I never would have said yes going to church with someone to hear the gospel. I never would have done that. And I think that pastors are doing a good job right now trying to convince their congregation, invite people to church, because many people do say yes. And that's true. Like Statistics say that if you invite someone to church, um, oftentimes they'll say yes. But the other side of that coin is there are people who will say no. And we cannot simply settle for, I invited my neighbor to church, they said no, so that means they've rejected the gospel. Yeah. We can't settle for that, right? I mean, if, if the only person we let evangelize is our pastors, then the world will not know Jesus. Yeah. It'll only be probably religious or morally good people, right? Like, we have to go to our neighbors, go to the people who live on our block, and tell them, this is who Jesus is. And I want you to know them the same way that I do. Yeah, right? I mean,
1: a great book I read. It's called Wiki Church. Uh, it's by Steve Morrell, and he tells this, this story. I'll try to keep this condensed. A guy named Jimmy Wales years ago wanted to create an online encyclopedia website. Mm. And so what he created was a website called Newpedia. And and the concept of Newpedia was that those who were professionals or those who were credible in their in their facet of life, they could write articles. So like. Um, a doctor could write articles on like, medicine or a basketball player could write articles on basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, after a couple of years, Newpedia just completely failed because it was just this long and, and overwhelming process to figure out and filter out like, who's, 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 who's like, credible and who's not. Yeah. So what he did instead is that he created a new website instead of Newpedia he called it Wikipedia. Where anyone and everyone could post articles, like I could post an article on like medicine, you could post an article on basketball. I don't know if you're, you like basketball. or not. Uh, I don't know enough. No. <laughs> yeah, you could write an article on basketball or, or teeth. I don't know if you know anything about teeth. Gosh. But but the content, like a sixth grader could write an article on like Jupiter. Mm. But his his point was that like too many times, like a lot of people function, you know, in evangelism like New Peter, where they say, oh, it's my pastor's job to do that. It's it's the uh, it's the youth pastor's job. It's the elders in the church job to share the gospel. But no, we need to function like Wikipedia where anyone and everyone can be going out and sharing the gospel. Sixth graders, 50 year olds, like everybody can do it because that's the early church. That's literally
0: what they did. Yeah, that's good. So let me ask you this. What's the gospel? Oh like, yeah. I mean, we're that's talking what's the gospel. about like, like people need to go share the gospel and people are probably sitting here thinking, okay, well, what is it? Like, yeah. what do I need to, to tell my neighbor? Mm-hmm. What, what would you say?
1: Oh yeah. So, I mean, I, I like to start out with creation that God created us to be with him, mm-hmm. that that God created us to, to be in a relationship with him. That was his original intention. Yeah. But then this thing called sin entered the world and our sin separated us from God. Mm-hmm. Sin is anything that you do bad um, or anything that you should have done that you didn't do. Yeah. Um, God being all perfect and us, we inherited this sinful nature. It doesn't matter how many good things you do because um, mm-hmm. good deeds don't save us. Yeah. I would say... It's like putting icing on a burnt cake. Um, (laughs) Try to cover up your lives with good things and icing, but on the inside, we're still burnt sinners um, to the core. But the hope is that that paying the price for that sin, Jesus being fully God and fully man, died on the cross, and three days later, he rose from the dead. Um, And that's where our hope is built on, in the resurrection, that
0: anyone who trusts in him and him alone can have everlasting life. So Um, I know because earlier we were talking about this, that one of the things that you wish people would say more isn't just Jesus died for you, period, and leaving that there. Like that's a true statement, and that's good. Jesus did die, but you were emphasizing Jesus is alive. Like we need to talk about the resurrection and not just the death of Jesus. And so, can you explain a little bit about that and how you feel?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it comes back to the quote that I talked about earlier. Like, like if you worship a dead Savior, you'll end up just like Buddha's in the grave, Muhammad's in the grave, Joseph Smith's in the grave. But Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. Like our hope isn't built upon the death of Christ. Our help is built on the resurrection of Christ. That's awesome. Paul Paul writes in First Corinthians 15 that if there's no resurrection, then our preaching's in vain. Our faith is in vain. Like my friend David says like if there's no resurrection, like Christianity won't exist. Like yeah. that's where hope's built on. So it just it's a pet peeve, and I know not everyone means it. I think just people people just forget. Yeah. Like, they'll pray like, man, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for us. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I'm like he didn't just die. Like <laughs> Jesus is alive right now. Like, exactly. He's alive right now. Like yeah. our joy is in the resurrection of Jesus, which is just yeah. and that is the core of Christianity. Yeah,
0: that's so good. So, um, let's say you're. So we're talking about change the block, right? It's this yeah. idea that local engagement with our neighbors and our community, ordinary people can have an extraordinary impact, right? Uh, so talk to me for a second because I know that we're talking about sharing the gospel here. Uh, but what will happen as we share the gospel is there are times where people are going to reject us. Yeah. So, so speak to this someone right now who's afraid of rejection. And that's what is stopping them for a moment for sharing the gospel. Yeah.
1: Well, I understand if, if people are afraid of rejection. But know that like you still can't save people even if they accept Jesus. I mean, we see in 2 Timothy 2.27 that it is, it's God that grants a heart of repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's our job to be sharing the truth. And I've always, I heard a great quote once, um, that the greatest obstacle to evangelism is Christians who don't share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, which hurts me. You know, if you, if you, if you have a neighbor that you know is not a Christian, if let's say that you have shared the gospel and they've rejected you, well, that's on them. Mm -hmm. But if you never share the gospel with them Mm -hmm. and they're not a Christian and they die, like, even though like the sin is what sends them to hell, like, and you could have shared that hope with them.
0: Yeah. Um, There's a, a really good and scary quote that I've heard that says The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. Mm, yep. right? Like it's this idea that Jesus has done something for this world that is lost and dead in their sin. And we need to get the gospel to them as quickly as possible um, because people are dying without, without hearing this gospel. Um, And so it it is our job as the people of God, not just pastors, ministry leaders or whatever, but as the people of God to go out and to talk with people about Jesus. Um, And what I've learned is that it's a whole lot easier to have gospel conversations than I thought. And I'll tell yeah. you one of the first ways that I realized this, and I want you to talk about it for a second. Um, I was I was sitting with someone named James and another person who was uh, a Muslim, but also a women's rights activist, mm. which is super cool. And uh, So we were talking to this guy, me and James were, and we asked the guy, we're like, what is it like to be a women's rights activist as a Muslim? I um, mean, we were not in America, we were somewhere else. And he ends up saying that he gets a lot of death threats and that people hate him and try to to hurt him a lot. And so... Uh, James, my friend, just looks at this guy and he says, did you know that Jesus had a lot to say about women? Hmm. And I'm sitting here thinking, he did have a lot to say about women. And then the guy goes, no, wait, can you tell me about it? And so James starts telling him, and then that led to a gospel conversation. Yeah. It wasn't us holding a picket sign saying, turn or burn, Yeah, right? Which I think some people think that's evangelism, and that's why I don't want to do yeah, it. That is not- it was, <laughs> it was it's not evangelism, don't do that. But it was as simple as we're having a conversation about what this person is interested in, and it led to us talking about Jesus. So, right, like how do you start or how, how do you see gospel opportunities, right? Like it, it's not just I'm holding a picket sign, it's not just walking up to someone saying, Can I tell you about Jesus? Like, how do you in an everyday life share the gospel with people?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's super important, A, to I know it's cliche, but to, to intercessory prayer should drive. Your ministry, intercessory prayer, and that means praying for the lost. Pray, like prayer should drive the way you you do evangelism. Colossians four talks about praying that God will open up a door mm-hmm. um, for us to have a gospel conversation. And similarly to you, as I'm talking with you know with, with quote unquote random people, I try to find something they're interested in um, that I can ask questions about. I think asking questions is what builds bridges. That's so true. Um, find something that they're interested in, or even find something that we both enjoy. I mean, for example, I was talking with a guy a couple months ago who he loved anime. Like, he was obsessed. He had an anime t-shirt on. And I love anime. I know. So I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah. So I literally saw this show. I was like, yo, man. Like, it was a from a TV show called, like, My Hero Academia. And I was like, hey, man, did you see the new season? And he was like, yeah. And we were talking about episodes. And then we just started talking about, you know, a bunch of other random shows. And I'm thinking, like, man, how, I'm thinking in my head, like, how can we turn this into a gospel conversation? Yeah. And finally, he actually was the one who kind of, like, you know, started it. And he was like, hey, have you seen this show, Seven Deadly Sins? Um, which is literally like, oh, sweet! Like this is good. That's awesome. But like, we literally had a conversation talking about anime, and I was able to turn that into a gospel conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, another one is that I was hiking. Uh, This was I want to say this was last summer actually, but I was hiking, and you know I was going to hike, and there was this guy on on the top of a mountain, and I think this is where the spirit convicted me at one point because we were just we were just talking, and he told me how he had hiked a mountain called like Saint Peter and Saint Paul, and I was like. Oh, like sweet, like I can just be like, oh, do you even know who Peter and Paul are? Um, That's true. Um, and I, I'll admit, I, there was fear in me, and I, I, I held back. I said, like, I don't want to share the gospel with them. And then, and then I saw, um, I don't know if you've seen, I don't endorse this movie. I, I've never actually seen it, but the movie dog, but there's this like figurine of like Jesus, kind of like looking at you and like giving you the thumbs up. Okay. Um, it's really awkward. It, it's like a, it's almost like a meme right now. Yeah. But he had, like a figurine of Jesus or what he thinks Jesus looks like, like giving the thumbs up, like on his keychain. And I was like, gosh, dang it. Like, I feel like I got to share the gospel. <laughs> but I, I did. But wow. I think if you can do, and the dude was obsessed with hiking. But if you find out what their interests are, man, that that's how you can love on that person
0: right. to, to talk about that. That's so good. I, I think that churches, when they talk about evangelism, will say, uh, they'll they'll try to almost give you a formula, right? So like yeah. we see a lot of strategies in the world. So you'll hear people talk about the four C's of the gospel and they'll say yeah. creation, chaos, Christ, completion. Um, you'll hear people talk about like the, the questions you should ask or... Roman's like road. Roman's like, road. Like, yeah. There's all these strategies which can be helpful, right? Yeah, like I agree. We need like a, a skeleton outline when we first are learning how to do this. But then there comes a point where you just kind of get to to try things out, right? I mean, I think that that gospel conversations are so easy, but we think they're so complicated we miss out on opportunities. And so a perfect example, we were I was with uh, Jared Stacy, the college pastor at Spotswood, and we are at Mason Dixon Cafe, which is a great place in Fredericksburg. You need to go there. We just ate there. We Actually, just ate there a couple hours ago. Yes, <laughs> it's so good. And this woman who waited on us, uh, Jared, we're, we're talking, and Jared just looks at me and he says, something's wrong with our waitress. Mm. And I was like, What? And he says, you know, I've had this waitress before, and she's extra quiet today. I know something's wrong with her. Hmm. And so she came back to the table, and Jared says, hey, how's your day going? And she said, good, and she walked away. Mm -hmm. And Jared said, it's not. Not I know something's wrong. And so she came back after giving us our food, and Jared said, hey, uh, me and Nathan were just about to pray, and we wanted to know, is there anything we can pray for you about? Wow. And she looks at him, and she says, I just found out I'm pregnant, and it's a really bad time. My youngest child right now is in high school. Mm. And so her life was just turned upside down in that moment. And Jared, all it took was Jared noticing that someone was having a really bad day. And yeah. it led to a question of, is there something I can pray for you about? Which then led to us saying, what is it we can do for you? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's us being the light of the world. Because what we're saying right now is, I'm not going to be distracted by my phone. I'm not going to be distracted by anything that's happening around me. I'm going to notice the person beside of me who's made in the image of God, who's having a bad day, and I'm going to say, how can I pray for you? Yeah. And like, that can be an intimidating question because we think someone's going to say, I don't pray, right? Like, I don't want you to pray for me. But I have never, even people who don't believe in God, had them say, I can't believe you'd ask me that. Exactly.
1: Never. I, I mean, every, and I don't I don't want to act like I'm some prideful person who's sharing <laughs> the gospel, but... Every time I share the gospel with someone, it's the last question I always ask is, hey, is there any way I could be praying for you? And I honestly cannot remember a person that said nothing. Um, That might say, like, just just pray that my life goes well. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people will, like, I'll be like, hey, can I pray for you right now? Some people will literally let me lay hands on them and pray for them there. Some people might not, you know, be a fan of that. But... Know that like I still want to lift them up in prayer. Yeah, yeah, if you're gonna pray for, if you're gonna ask how you can pray for someone, make sure you pray for them. Okay, <laughs> write it down.
0: That's true because I know there's been times in my own life, as a confession, where someone's like, "Can you pray for this?" and I say, "Absolutely," and then I never think about it again. Yeah. So a good opportunity to show, hey, we we do pray, is to do it right there, right? Mm-hmm. Like say, "All right, what what can we pray for you about?" And they say, "You know what? I just lost my job and I'm looking for a new one." And we say, "Let me pray right now." Yeah. For that, um, and, and that is like. That is such an easy gospel ramp. Mm. It's, so, it's too easy. It's too easy to ask someone, is there something I can pray for you about? And maybe it's a little less intimidating, right? Like maybe yeah. it's, because I'm telling you, once you start asking this, people will receive it pretty well. And if they say no, that's the only thing they're going to say. Yeah. They're not going to start yelling at you. That will not happen, mm. right? Um, so so let's, let me ask you this as well, because I know that, uh, a lot of people right now, it's really popular in the Christian world to say, I'm really for relational evangelism. Mm. Like I, I'm, I'm forming a friendship with this person. I'm inviting them over to my house and all this so that I can share the gospel with them, which is fantastic. And yeah, we're, we're about it. We're about it. Heck yeah. But you've even had this this conversation about sharing the gospel with people that you haven't had a relationship with so mm. far, that you're just meeting strangers, yeah. right? Like, Like what would you say to someone that says, well, I'm just not good at it. Like, I just don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable for me. And talk to me for a second about sharing the gospel with people you don't know.
1: Yeah, I think I think both are important. First yeah. of all, I mean, I, I think of Acts 1-8 where, you know, that we'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to us so we can be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I think of relational evangelism, I really think of like, you know, the, the Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria. Like, the people that are really close to us. People that we can build relationships with. I think relational evangelism is so important. Yeah. now, I, I do get annoying when people just say, "Man, I'm just gonna keep you know looking like Jesus so they can see Jesus in me." <laughs> yeah, um, it's not a bad thing, but as we established back in Romans ten, like we got to stop being lazy and eventually actually just share the gospel Because
0: here's the thing, I mean, someone could look at you, Henry, and say, "Oh, Henry's such a good guy," but if they've never heard the gospel, they're not gonna look at Henry and say, "I don't know who Jesus is, but but Henry acts like Jesus, right?" Like they don't know him; they've exactly. never heard of his, they're his name. Ignorant to it. Yeah, so you have to say. Jesus, <laughs> you and, have to talk about
1: it. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, if I'm being honest with you, I've never had someone come up to me and say, man, Henry, what makes you different? Mm-hmm. Um, and that does stink sometimes. But, I mean, it comes down to verbally sharing it. So when, when it comes to that, yeah, that's like relational evangelism. When it comes to, my friend Nathan puts it as initiative evangelism, maybe someone that you don't necessarily have that established relationship with. Yeah, I kind of see that as like to the ends of the earth, People that you're not going to see every day. These are people that, that wouldn't be your coworkers or your classmates or your yeah. friends at school. People that you won't probably ever see again. If I'm being honest mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. I mean, it comes down again to you know praying that the Holy Spirit opens the door. I mean, there's so many people that we interact with. A waitress at a restaurant. Yeah. Um. Sometimes you're just walking down the road and you sit you sit on a, like a park bench and there's someone sitting next to you. Mm-hmm. Um. You're ordering for food from like Chipotle, like. There's just so many people you interact with that you can turn like a normal conversation to a gospel conversation. That's so true. Um, I think what you guys did in Atlanta—I don't know if this is a tangent or not—was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if <laughs> now <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking you a question now. <laughs> <Do> <laughs> but but that 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 aspect of initiative evangelism is so great. What yeah. you did. I mean, can you touch on that? Yeah. yeah. So
0: <laughs> so last well actually I just got back yesterday. Wow, time is is flying by. Um. So. Last week the college ministry of Spotswood was in Atlanta helping with a church plant. And what we did was we went to the park and we just brought signs that said had different questions. So like one of them one of the questions we had were, What should we do in Atlanta? It's our first time here. And so people would come up and they'd say, Oh my gosh, here's what you should do. Like here's what I love about Atlanta. And it gives people the opportunity to talk about their city. And then they'd say, okay, so like, why are you asking this question? And we'll say, oh, it's our first time here. And like, well, what are you doing in Atlanta? Yeah. And then we say, well, we're actually here helping a church plant. The church is, is M28. And then that's like, oh, why are you here helping a church plant? And then that just gets to the gospel, right? Another question that we had up was, what are you thankful for today? And people would stop and they'd say, oh, I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful yeah. for my health. I'm thankful for my car. Like, it was crazy things. And then we'd say, wow, can we like can we tell you what we're thankful for? We're thankful for, for our family. We're thankful for our church. We're thankful for—and then they're like, oh, that's interesting. And we say, you know, every good gift comes from God. And we're just convinced that the world needs to be more thankful because our God has done so much for us. Yeah. And we want to talk about it. And you're
1: using something as a gateway to share the gospel. It's not a bad thing. Yep. Me and my friends last summer in Houston, we we set up Spikeball out in in some park or whatever. And these two guys came to mm-hmm. play, like, hey, what is this? And like, <laughs> and nobody in Houston knows what Spikeball is. I don't know. That's probably really bad. Um, and you know, we explained, hey, this is Spikeball. We literally played like two or three games, mm-hmm. so we're establishing you know a small relationships. So it's something I use for that initiative, you know, gospel evangelism tactic, if you will, is finding something we have in common. Like I said earlier, like finding something that they're interested in. And we literally were talking about Spikeball and like the concept of it for like 20 minutes. And eventually, like me and my friend Jonathan, we were able to turn that into a gospel conversation
0: with those two guys. That's really cool. So something I want to say here because, and I don't know if this is just the circles I've been in, but a lot of people when they talk about evangelism think, all right, I'm going to share the gospel with this person they're gonna hear it, and then it's gotta be this, yes or no, will you pray this prayer with me? Mm. Right, like it's this idea that someone has 10 seconds to decide the rest of their lives. Um, which sometimes sometimes people will say, for the first time hearing it, man, I want that, I want to follow, follow Jesus, like, let's do it, which is fantastic. But I think that the better way to gauge, am I being successful and sharing my faith? I would ask uh, two questions, walking away from a gospel conversation. The first one would be Did I tell them about Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if I told someone about Jesus, then I feel good because I'm sitting here thinking um, I've been obedient. Like, I'm, I'm fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm talking to people about Jesus. Um, it's not my responsibility for them to say yes. That's God's. You already said. Exactly. it. The second question I would have is Did the person have a positive experience with a Christian? Mm. And I think that, that we're. What I'm trying to think about is, did I help them with the next step towards knowing Jesus? Um, and the reason I say that is because uh, the the scriptures talk about there are people that are planting seeds. There are Mm -hmm. people that are watering seeds, and God's the one that's making it grow. And we never know which one we are. We don't Mm -hmm. know if we're planting seeds, saying for the first time, here is the gospel, or if we're watering someone else's seed and going, hey, yeah, their mom's been sharing the gospel with them for for years, and I just get to come in, and I get to add a little bit of water onto a seed that's already been planted, right? And so, like, I, I always walk away from a gospel conversation saying, did I talk about Jesus, and did I give them a, a positive experience with a Christian? And the reason I say that right now is because we were in Atlanta last week. And we had uh, people in Atlanta, when they heard we were Christian, immediately say, Okay, what do you think about same-sex marriage? Mm. And that's just a loaded question. Yeah. And so in that moment, what what someone did is they shared the gospel with them. They told them what we believe the Bible says about same-sex marriage. And the person didn't in that moment say, Okay, great. I'm ready to change my whole life and my lifestyle. I'm ready to follow Jesus. But he did say, you know what? I really respect what you just said. Mm. And it was almost like he was surprised that he didn't get into an argument with a Christian. He said, I don't agree with you, but I really respect the way you said it. And so I think that that plays a part in evangelism, right? This, this idea that they might not pray a prayer with me at the end, yeah. but if I can plant a seed, the way Jared said it all week, which was so good, he says, we want to put little uh, pebbles in people's shoes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they walk away from the conversation and they go, "That's so weird. I can't stop thinking about what that guy said. Mm-hmm. I can't stop thinking about what that girl said, and that that's a successful conversation, right So as we wrap up, Henry, what are some final thoughts you have for people that want to I mean, to the pot, you might be thinking, what does this have anything to do with change the block?" Yeah. Well, here's what it has to do. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and he's talking to his disciples, he says, I want you to go into all the world preaching the gospel and making disciples. Like I want this thing to grow and expand. And so if we're talking about we want to change our block, um, if you want to see long-lasting change, it's got to attack people's hearts. Yeah. It can't just be we want people to act better. It's got to be we want people to die to themselves and to follow Jesus. And so evangelism is how we change the block. Right, so ha- what advice would you give? What final thoughts would you give about this whole evangelism conversation and changing the block conversation?
1: Yeah. Um, so first thought is you don't have to leave the country to share the gospel. Wait, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna be wrong. Mission trips are so important. I think mm-hmm. they definitely shape our our worldview or whatever to to see the urgency mm-hmm. of sharing the gospel. But the reality is, you don't you don't need to leave America because mm-hmm. um, there's so many lost people here in america yeah um more than you think like i at liberty get mind you, you, christian college i mean when i worked at blaze pizza there were maybe like 40 of us or maybe 30 of us that worked there it was me and two other people that were the only actual christians by our fruit huh. and it's like man there are so many people in lynchburg like a place where there's where it's like one of the most church areas by, by that barna says yeah or people that don't know jesus that's our backyard liberty yeah. um I mean, your na- I mean you, again, you don't have to leave the country. So pursue your neighbors with love and persuade them with the truth. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's super important, again, for this all to be fueled by intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. I think like praying through Romans which which, 10.1, which is brothers, it's our hearts and desire and prayer to God for them that they may be saved. That's Paul literally saying, hey, let's pray for the lost right now. Yeah. That's something that I do is that every time I have a gospel conversation with somebody... Um, that rejects Christ or maybe I have a friend have a, a family member or maybe a friend I have this, their name written in this booklet um, and every night I'm praying for those names that's awesome. um through scripture yeah and the reality is I might not see any of them hmm. ever again some of the people that I at least share the gospel with Yeah. but I'm still praying for them yeah. um, I think lifting them up in prayers is good
0: yeah That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Henry. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening to Change the Block. We will see you next time. Woo!